everyone and welcome to Chill Pill. My name is Emma Ives and I am the creator slash host of this fabulous podcast. I created this podcast since I love all things medicine. I love reading about it. I love talking about it. And my roommates were getting kind of sick and tired of hearing about it. I'm not a medical professional, so I'll never give any advice on the medical stuff. Please seek out your primary care physician for advice. I will link all my sources in the description as well as mention them throughout the podcast. Today, I'm chatting with Noelle Walls again because it's a very special day. On this day in 1847, the donut was invented. And in 1954, Rolades were trademarked. So to honor this glorious day, we're going to talk about vitamins and supplements. Because donuts are a food and Rolades are an antacid tablet and supplements and vitamins can come in tablet form. It's a bit of a stretch, I know, but it works. We're chatting via Zoom, so sorry in advance if the audio quality isn't as great as it usually is. Hello, Noelle. How's it going today? Hi, it's going great. I'm excited to be back. So just for all of our listeners out there, Noelle and I are not in the same room. She's in Ohio and I'm in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, We're practicing physical distancing. A lot more than six feet, but... Yes, six hours. So Noelle, what are we going to talk about today? Today we're going to be talking a little bit about vitamins and supplements. So vitamins are... I think I talked about this in the last podcast. They're considered micronutrients. So those are things like vitamin A, C, B, uh, K. And vitamins can be a supplement, but also supplements kind of encompass a large variety of things. So it can be anything from other micronutrients to different herbs or plant substances. So it really encompasses a lot of things. We are here just to kind of talk, kind of educate you guys about vitamins and supplements because they are incredibly controversial. At least I believe from a pharmacy standpoint. I don't know if Noelle would agree with me. Definitely. I do agree, yes. Throughout the podcast, we're going to try to show that, you know, vitamins and supplements are kind of a case-by-case basis if you need them or not. And if you really want or believe that you need a vitamin or supplement to first always consult with your primary care physician and actually also a dietitian to see if you actually yes. are not having that vitamin or supplement in your diet. So uh, diet. Um, are very good at talking about when and how to take supplements because they know a little bit more about how your body uses them and needs them than doctors do. So why do people take supplements? Yeah, so people take supplements for there's a variety of reasons. The really big one is people think more is always better. So they think, oh, this is natural and I need this, which might not always be the case. Uh, Some people actually do need them. People can have micronutrient deficiencies, but a lot of times those are asymptomatic, so you don't really know um, if you have a micronutrient deficiency without getting blood work done. But a lot of people will basically self-diagnose themselves and say, oh, because I either don't eat this food group or because I'm lacking here, I'm probably deficient, so I should take a supplement, which is a big reason people take them. Without actual testing done, you can't really diagnose yourself as micronutrient deficient unless you get actual blood work done. And you can actually go to your doctor and say, hey, I want to get lab work done to test for my micronutrients and see what my levels are. And then that's a great opportunity to have a conversation with your dietitian about um, looking at that lab work and being like, oh, am I deficient in anything? Or like based on my diet, am I okay? 
And some other reasons people will take supplements is a lot of times they'll get recommendations from friends or family. But again, this kind of goes back to the supplements are really a case-by-case -case basis. So maybe someone is taking, for example, like magnesium because they get migraines and that really helps some of those migraines. But just because one person is doing that doesn't mean that like magnesium is going to solve every single person's migraines. And then also just the cost of modern medicine is really high. And a lot of times people are like, oh, I can basically cure myself if I take these supplements because they say to do these things. And so that way, like, I won't have to go to the doctor. Yeah. And to kind of chime in on the cost of Western medicine, I'm, we're from uh, the United States for anyone who's listening outside of the U.S. And medication costs a lot of money here, even with really good health insurance. And so it's this really big problem in America where people can't get the medications that they might necessarily need. And so they look to natural medicines because it's natural, it must be good for me. People assume since vitamins and supplements are in a pharmacy normally, it means that they're regulated like all of the other drugs, the over-the-counter drugs, the behind-the-counter drugs, your prescriptions. They believe that they're regulated like that. But sorry to break it to you all, that is actually not the case. The FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, is responsible for the product, but not in the same way that drugs are. I think Noelle can uh, elaborate a little bit more on that. Yeah, so the FDA is responsible for the regulation of drugs, but they're not responsible for the regulation of supplements. And basically, um, supplements, since they're considered a natural like food product, since a lot of them are either herbs or some sort of plant, that's what they're considered as, as a food product. Therefore, the FDA doesn't have to regulate them. They're not required to go through clinical trials like a lot of other drugs are. I think Emma's going to talk more about how drugs are regulated because I think she knows more about that. But the FDA really can't do anything about that, about the supplements, until people kind of report like, hey, this is not a good product. Like it has adverse effects and people are getting sick or something bad is happening. And then the FDA will take action. But they aren't really doing anything beforehand. Drugs go through a very, very long process to get from just like the development phase to being on the shelves and either being a prescription or over the counter, behind the counter. The FDA must review a drug product before it ever reaches the market. The company has to submit a new drug application or an NDA, which is a very, very long document with data from clinical trials, on uh, data from efficacy trials and safety trials of this proposed drug. The FDA evaluates the NDA within 60 days to determine if it's sufficient enough to conduct a review. This means all of the data looks good from just glancing at it. The paperwork is in order. There are label, uh, proposed labels, proposed warnings. Everything is in order. Within that 60 days, it determines that the NDA is sufficient. Uh, they will send something called the 74-day letter, which pretty much just tells the company, we've looked at your paperwork. It seems okay. We're going to either do a standard review or accelerated view of your product. A standard review is a decision within 10 months. So during a period of 10 months, they look at all of the data to determine if the NDA passes. And an accelerated decision is a decision within six months. Those are typically for things that we have limited supply of. Who is on this team at the FDA to help with this decision? There are medical doctors, there's chemists, there's statisticians, there's microbiologists and pharmacologists, and they help review everything 
to help the FDA make an informed decision. After approval, there is post-market monitoring to see if there are any effects that didn't come up in clinical trials. There have been many drugs who have made it all the way to market and to the consumer population and then were pulled a couple of years later or even decades later if they found that it had an adverse effect. As we said before, this is just for drugs. Supplements and vitamins do not go through this entire background mm -hmm. check process. Basically, manufacturers can put supplements on the shelf, and even though they're not supposed to like make any make like health claims or um, things like promoting either benefits or things that are false, sometimes they do. So sometimes they might be promoting or advertising a product that is not actually 100% like what you think you're paying for. Um, or it might, they might make claims that are false. Things have actually been recalled because they're basically saying they'll do things and then they don't. Uh, they can make kind of the gen, this is like a generalized form of the statement that's normally on the product. Statements made have not been evaluated by the FDA. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, which if anyone would read the back of their vitamin and supplement bottles, they would see that the product isn't regulated by the FDA, but unfortunately that doesn't happen. In 2013, uh, these researchers in Toronto published a report in which they sampled 44 herb supplements. These supplements are sold in both US and in Canada, and they were labeled as containing a single herb or a single ingredient to help with something. And they use DNA barcoding analysis to help identify what ingredients were in each of these products in hopes of seeing if what was put on the label is what was actually in the product. And if it was claiming to be a single herb, how pure that single herb was. And so after running all of this analysis, they determined that 59% of products contained DNA from a plant species that wasn't on the label. They're able to authenticate about half of the substances in the product, although one third of them contain contaminants and fillers not listed on the label. Ingredient substitution occurred in most of the supplements, 30 out of 44, and some contaminants that were, they found even posed health threats to consumers. These researchers concluded in the report that this dilutes the effectiveness of potentially useful remedies and it can cause health issues to consumers and they called for DNA barcoding analysis with manufacturers to authenticate their products and make sure that they're giving the best product possible to their consumers. The yeah. FDA actually has a lot of really great resources on their website about how yes. to be a savvy supplement user. When searching for supplements, make sure to use non-commercial sites. So use sites like the NIH, the FDA, the USDA, rather than depending on information from sellers. If claims sound too good to be true, they probably are, as most things are in life. And being mindful that if it claims to work better than a prescription drugs and is totally safe and has no side effects, it's probably too good to be true. Mm -hmm. And also be aware that the term natural doesn't always mean safe. There are many things out there that are natural that are very toxic to the human body. Yes, um, like poison ivy. Poison ivy. You don't want to be eating that. It's or it, but it is a natural thing. <laughs> One of the biggest issues with vitamins and supplements is that they claim to have this amount of whatever substance, and it turns out to be actually more than uh, your recommended daily value. So, Noelle, what is a recommended daily yes. value? So, vitamins and a lot of micronutrients have a recommended daily value, which is basically the amount that you need to be taking 
per day in order to make sure that your body is performing at maximum, basically maximum capacity and maximum health. Now you have like uh, recommended values for your macronutrients, which are like carbs, protein, and fat, but also for micronutrients. And those are, they're called micronutrients because you usually need them in about milligram. So each of these have a recommended daily value. And a lot of supplements actually though are in a way bigger amount than you need per day. So a lot of times when you're taking a supplement, if you aren't aware of your RDA, you actually might be basically taking an overdose of that micronutrient, even with like one recommended serving of a supplement. So it's really important to know like what are the RDAs for whatever you're thinking about taking. And there's not RDAs for like every single supplement, like a lot of herbs, they're not considered like a micronutrient, um, but vitamins definitely. And then other things like magnesium, calcium, plant substances also will have RDAs. So it's really important to understand what is the RDA because they vary. The biggest thing about supplement safety is potential drug interactions with other supplements. Mm -hmm. People really don't think it's necessary to tell that their doctor tell their doctor that they're taking a supplement. You should always tell your doctor what you're taking, even if it's not like a prescribed medication. We actually are going to be linking a WebMD interaction checker in the description if you are ever curious about potential drug interactions. The textbook example of a drug interaction with a herbal supplement is Wafrin and St. John's wort. St. John's wort is a naturally occurring flower and it's used to treat depression and some menopausal symptoms. Wafrin is one of the many drugs that St. John's wort interacts with. In fact, St. John's wort interacts with so many drugs that it's recommended that it not be taken if you're taking any prescription medication. Wafrin is a drug used to slow blood clotting, and the body breaks this drug and down and metabolizes it naturally you know, to get rid of it. And it is believed that St. John's wort it increases the rate at which it's broken down. This will decrease the effectiveness of the drug, and it has been shown to put you at risk for blood clotting. The public and physicians are able to report uh, potential adverse reactions to the FDA and the company that makes the drug, and there will be um, some sort of investigation. And Noel found this really great link to do kind of the same thing with supplements. Yeah, so if you are taking something, and you can also um, report problems with that supplement to the FDA. Supplements are not bad. We're just saying that education in science is always important, no matter what kind of science it is. You should be educated about what you're putting in your body. Uh, Noelle, when we were talking about making this episode, you were saying how a significant portion of the population believes they need it, but they actually don't. Yeah. A lot of people, kind of like what I was saying at the beginning, take supplements because they think that they need them because they basically self-diagnose themselves as deficient of something. But the truth is that if you are eating like a variety of foods and you're eating a balanced diet, then you probably are getting everything that you need, all those micronutrients, all those vitamins through the food that you're eating. And that should be your main goal. Um, and if you see a dietitian, they will tell you the exact same thing. And we are also talking how, besides going into your uh, primary care physician, dietitians are actually pretty important and I feel like kind of under, underrepresented in the medical field. I think Noelle is going to agree with me because yes, she's a agree. dietetics major. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely agree, especially when we're talking about this because a lot of, if you're experiencing a micronutrient deficiency, the first person that you should be talking to is a dietitian, not a doctor, because 
they're going to be the ones who are going to be able to basically tell you how to implement that back into your diet. If you need to get on a supplement, they're going to be the ones who are going to basically recommend that to you. And registered dietitian nutritionists are actually qualified to basically prescribe food as medicine, which is called medical nutrition therapy. And so they're able to basically say, hey, like you should take like this many IUs of this vitamin per day. If you are taking any other prescription drugs, though, then you definitely also need to consult your doctor. But dietitians are definitely the number one go-to for supplement use. It took me until this year to learn that the FDA does not regulate supplements. So I'm taking that this is not general knowledge to the public at all. And so we're kind of, you know, we're calling for regulation on supplements from the FDA or at least another governing body because I feel like the FDA has their hands full like all the time. I feel like they should be, the FDA or another governing body needs to be proactive about this. It shouldn't take people getting hurt. Any last words, Noel? I just really want to emphasize like we did like give you a lot of information and it kind of seems like we might be coming up saying like supplements are bad look at all these bad things happening but there are times where like supplements can be helpful and where you need those and there are times of life where like you might need to be on a supplement and where that might be helpful for you and your health and making sure that you are living like the healthiest and best life possible i would like to thank noelle for chatting with me again today I really enjoy talking with my peers and getting new perspectives on different aspects of science. Follow Noelle Wallace on Instagram at foodfreedom6. She posts fun vegetarian and pescatarian recipes that are gluten-free friendly as well. Go check her out. I am not a medical professional, so please consult your primary care physician for advice if you are intrigued by anything you heard today. I do all my own research, and my sources are linked in the description. So please, Give all those scientists your love. The intro music was done by Cooper Wood and the artwork was done by me. You can now follow me on Twitter at CP underscore with Emma Ives and Instagram at chillpill underscore with Emma Ives. Thanks for listening to Chill Pill. Chill Pill.